Hello everyone, welcome back to Better Than Bad. As always, I'm your host Jess and today I'm joined by a returning guest because I'm joined by Billy. Hi Billy. Hi, I'm so excited. Welcome back and you are back to discuss someone who quite honestly no one else could have come on to this show to talk about. I feel like she bonded us in a way. Yeah. I feel like she might be responsible for like our consistent friendship. I would absolutely agree with that. Do you want to tell everyone who we're talking about? We're talking about my wife. End of No sentence. name. <laughs> <laughs> you should all know who that is. <laughs> Some random person from like Croatia is like, your, your wife. <laughs> Greta Gerwig. Oscar nominated should have been winning Greta Gerwig. Yes, and we are but we are specifically talking about Greta Gerwig as an actor. I feel like that's a very important distinction to make. True. We're talking about her acting career here. We'll probably mention her directing career. Let's not get it twisted. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are talking about her acting roles today. So it's obvious as to why you wanted to come on to discuss her, but like just tell everyone anyway. <laughs> I don't even know why it's a bit. She kind of like just saved my, not my life, but my like career in the sense that like, I feel like every woman who was like interested in film around 2018, 2017 has like, or like will attribute some kind of like of their passion towards what Greta Gerwig did with Lady Bird. And like, I had seen her as an actress, um, before but I I hadn't like really taken note of her until Lady Bird came out and then like when Lady Bird did come out I went back and like watched everything that she'd done and I was like she just can do it all like all of it it's just not fair why is she so intelligent so talented like I think that she just picks the most like interesting roles of course there's some like studio moments in there they're great I'm Arthur 2011's biggest advocate um (laughs) I see you Rotten Tomatoes giving it like 11% or something (laughs) but yeah no I just yeah you said it there's no I feel like anyone who came on here who would talk about Greta Gerwig does not need to explain why they would want to talk about Mm -hmm. Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig for people who may not know who she is um, is an American actor screenwriter and director she first gained attention by working on several this is what Wikipedia refers to um, this particular genre as mumblecore films she hates that word dead um which is described as a sub-genre of independent films with an emphasis on naturalistic acting and dialogue so strange um in the early (laughs) 2010s she collaborated with her now partner um noah baumbach um on a few films including francis hart and mistress america um she has since gone on to become a notable and oscar-nominated director and screenwriter um she has directed lady bird little women and the highly anticipated Barbie. Um, today, though, we will be discussing her acting credits. Uh, her highest rated film on IMDb is actually Isle of Dogs, um, but we didn't want to watch that. <laughs> no, right. She's just not really in it. She is, but yeah. she isn't. So we didn't feel on. like it was the right film to use to discuss Greta Gerwig. So we went one below yeah. that, um, which is Francis Ha, which has 7.4 stars on IMDb. Is um, that it? And then her lowest. Yeah, that is oh it. Oh my God. 
should be higher. Should be higher. And then her lowest, so her lowest is actually a film called LOL, um, which has 4.7 stars. But when I tell you, I could not find this film (laughs) unless I wanted to pay like £40 to get a DVD shipped from America. And I'm going to be honest, guys, I wasn't about to do that. (laughs) Not for a lowest rated film. Come on now. So we went with her other lowest film, which was Lola Versus, which has 5.5 stars on IMDb. That's so wild that it's only like two separations from Frances Ha. Yeah. That is not, it's not fair. It's not a fair world. Sometimes I do question um, the people on IMDb and their rating system. Someone needs to check that out. I have some questions for the general public. Some queries and some concerns. We're going to start off by talking about Lola Versus because Mm -hmm. it came out first. Um, So it has 5.5 stars on IMDb with with a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 36%. It premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in April 2012 and had a wider US release in June of 2012. The film was directed by Daryl, I want to say Vine, uh, Daryl Vine and co-written by Daryl and his partner, Zoe Lister-Jones, who also stars in the film. I didn't know they were together. Interesting. I don't think they're together anymore. (laughs) Oh, they were. Sorry. Sorry about that. The film follows the character of Lola, played by Greta Gerwig. Lola is a 29-year-old PhD student whose engagement falls through a week before her wedding, sending her into a life crisis. Um, I want to start this off by, um, there was a review I read for this film (laughs) that I thought was (laughs) slightly unfair. Um, Peter Bradshaw reviewed the film for The Guardian and said, Lola versus the audience or versus anyone who wants a couple of hours in the cinema without screaming in pure irritation. Lola is versus them all, a formidable opponent, a Napoleon commanding armies of annoyance and affectation. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> Come on, Peter. So um, had you seen this film before this? I yeah. imagine you had. I did when I went down my rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it actually might have been the first thing I watched other than Ladybird. Mm. I was encouraged to view more. So, yeah. you know, couldn't have been all that bad I can't remember my first like watching it this time I didn't remember a single thing Hmm. that happened um I was like I could I could list this as a new film on Letterboxd because I don't remember anything I think I remember like the first scene and then after that yeah it became a blur but it's a nice like one hour 27 minute we love a under 90 minute film yep love um it's quite funny actually because in terms of like themes these two films have very similar yes themes. i was thinking that the whole time i was like these two live in the same realm it's just people stressed out in new york which <laughs> i can relate it's like mm, what a vibe <laughs> mm-hmm. 20s it's in me. new york <laughs> it's me hi <laughs> so yeah i'd never seen this film before i hadn't even heard of it what's new the amount of times I say that on this podcast yeah but you have to go down so many rabbit holes Jess yeah. like you have to do too much okay that makes me feel a bit better <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so this was my first time viewing it I must say that despite what that Peter Bradshaw review said 
I didn't think this film was that bad. It isn't. He's being dramatic. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not like groundbreaking cinema. Let's not get Mm -hmm. it twisted. But it's like enjoyable enough. It's easy to watch. There are some annoying characters, but aren't there always? And it's just a run-of-the-mill kind of romantic comedy self-love kind of vibe that was very of that time I feel like the 2010s it was all about self-love and improvement mm-hmm. <laughs> and like everyone was reading self-help books um <laughs> and everyone was talking about how good meditation was for them and then you know that's what that kind of time was so this isn't like completely out of the realm of what was a lot of those sort of like mid-budget films in that sort of time period yeah I think that was like trying to revive like screwball comedy which this is like trying to embody the only like defining factor between the two of them is like they're both written by men one does a better job than the other (laughs) is my like my commentary on it yeah I mean it's clear that this is very much that like you said people stressed out in New York City it's I'm in my 20s I feel like my life isn't going anywhere um am I describing my own life right now no I'm describing (laughs) swear um and there's lots of this one sort of heads down more down the kind of like yeah sticky comedy route at times than um say Francis Ha but I think that for what it was trying to achieve I actually think it did it yeah, I mean, it's just that, like, it's just because uh, I feel like this happened with when we spoke about Adam Driver of like the two films and how they kind of do exactly what they want to do. Like, sure, it's not going to be for everybody, but I think I think it's like the fact that it premiered at Tribeca is enough to say about how those kind of films were being received at the time and just with like what eleven years on. I just don't think it's the kind of thing that was like now like premiere at Tribeca. So okay. it's interesting, like an interesting timepiece. For me, the thing I just have to say, seeing the iPod doc, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's, t- it's 2011 here. It's one of those things where you watch films like this and you go, wow, my life's a period piece now. <laughs> oh, don't. Yeah, for sure. I felt like that, like when they were doing Ladybird, to be honest, of like 2002, is it? The first thing I want to say is, can you imagine planning your wedding for nine months and then a mm. week before your fiancé goes, oh, I don't think I can do this. It's quite the like perfect stakes level of mm-hmm. like, he was like, how can we make this the most traumatic like <laughs> situation for her? Yeah, sure. She'll get dumped before her wedding. Like, yeah, that's, I would add, not even just because of like, it would hurt, but because that's so much time wasted like planning a wedding takes your entire life. it may as well be a full-time job so like <laughs> my heart goes out to her and I I do think that this speaks for a very particular like time period in a lot of women's lives where you are very much like the clock feels like it's a ticking and mm. particularly if like women for women who want like to have children and all of that stuff, it does feel like, you know, you have a time limit and you do mm-hmm. actually have a time limit. Your body literally at one point will go, nope. <laughs> I'm good, hun. Thanks. Uh, not doing that. Um, so people have feel like the clock's ticking and they, they want to achieve certain things. And I think for, I don't know about you, this may just be like 
something that I think but I mm-hmm. always feel like women are more like I need to have made it by the end of my 20s than I hear men saying um yeah but I don't know if that's like a just a a thing of like I can't articulate it because it sounds too like feminine to mm. like a societal thing of I feel like yeah but I do think it's women are definitely like more vocal about it and yeah I know like me and you we've had our crises together <laughs> over it so like it's definitely like I don't know it is I think it's 29 or just like the whole I feel like 27 28 29 are like threatening ages of like you're at this point and you mm. haven't even done that like no matter how much you have actually done and like how much you've actually achieved like there's something telling you and then there's also like external sources like her mum taking her aside and me like I think you need to freeze your eggs no because I actually have a story about this <laughs> just not my dad said this to me once oh stop your dad how dare my, he my dad um how dad dare? I'm sorry if you're listening I'm literally calling you out but we were literally I'm sat not in a sorry. restaurant call him out <laughs> <laughs> I was literally sat in a restaurant and he went have you ever considered freezing your eggs and bear in mind at this time I think I was like 23 I was like what <laughs> what do you mean you're like I think I'm I good like, uh, I think I've got like at least another, like 10 15 years like please leave me alone <laughs> when that scene came up and it was like have you considered freezing your eggs I was like boy do I relate um <laughs> I stop why is this in my, my life, life. <laughs> oh my god um no it was <laughs> it's too oh funny to think about but um well you know now now my brother's had a baby so the pressure's been taken off so. oh yeah they're like it's chill don't worry we, right, we have a grandchild um, but yeah no I just that scene was hilarious to me just her face as well just like wait what? she's like <laughs> what are you talking I'm 29 like I'm fine <laughs> oh my and it's gosh. that kind of weird generational thing as well like our parents mm-hmm. had children much younger than people our age are Never having children 50p to have a child <laughs> 50p to buy a house <laughs> <laughs> We don't have the funds. The rest of us are just trying to live, okay? But the, there's lots of moments in this where I was just, like, laughing because I have seen people like that or, like, mm-hmm. met people like that. The whole, um, her best friend being an actor, of course. Oh, my gosh, the stage well. play, the play. Yeah, that experimental theatre scene was hilarious. So because, funny. And then I when was, she comes was... out, she's like, was it good? And they're like, like you were amazing. <laughs> I really understood it. <laughs> it's like the whole thing was a metaphor for what was it, genital mutilation? Yeah. And then the um the friend turns around and says, Poor Alice just keeps getting cast as these peasants. <laughs> what a line. What a line. It's like same TBH, that's why I left acting. <laughs> oh, typecast. Uh- <laughs> But there are just so many random moments in this film. Like, there's the bit where the guy is, like, singing while they're having sex. Oh, my gosh. Salmon guy. Can't. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't deal with it. And doesn't he also refuse to wear a condom or something as well? Yeah. He's like, I just got tested. I'm like, oh. That's not the point, babes. <laughs> Big red flag. And then he starts singing. I'd be like, okay. I'm yeah. Over and out. It's a straight <laughs> over and out. It's a straight no. She didn't know from day one when he was questioning about her fish choices. It's her fault. Sorry. <laughs> she did not have to call him 
she really was doing just fine with the other guy. It's just this desperation, isn't it? And that's kind of what I do think this film paints a really good picture of this like complete desperation of of wanting something to happen and yeah, not being on anything. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. not content with just living and existing. There needs to be some kind of movement with some aspect of her life that she doesn't allow herself to just like be happy with herself that's the overarching theme of the film you know the end she ends up being you know content with herself she doesn't need anybody else yeah Um, she's like i'm I'm with someone else me me (laughs) like same queen it's such like (laughs) cheesy 2010 dialogue isn't it oh no but my favorite is i'm slutty but i'm a good person (laughs) (laughs) you know what go off queen go off (laughs) You do you, honey. Yeah, I mean, I think that was just a vibe. I feel like we were getting to the end of what people would tolerate with rom-coms, which, can we please just have a rom-com at the bottom? I'm so bored of it. Like, why do they all have to go to Netflix and why do they all look the same? Mm-hmm. Like, can we please just have Katherine Heigl and James Marsden or Jennifer yes. Garner and Mark Ruffalo? Can we please just bring it back? Please. We need a res- there, is a f- there are a few types of films that I think need a resurgence and it is, yeah, the mid-budget um, rom-com it's the resurgence and the um teen drama set in a boarding school in england <laughs> wild <laughs> child wild child and saint trinians need to come back ah yeah saint trinians oh my gosh yeah that just and just like teen dramas in general like perks of being a wallflower i guess they've kind of evolved into something else now so mm-hmm. that genre is not entirely dead you see these types of films and they, they, they've evolved into something. So this was like, we had like rom-coms in the nineties that were all about finding the guy. And then you kind of move through the two thousands and it kind of stayed the same for a bit. And then you get into like 2010s and it was like, no, I don't actually need a man. I just need to be with myself. Uh, and then mm-hmm. it sort of turned into this no rom-coms at all. <laughs> movement. Like we're not doing that anymore. We're just but the thing that that's so like, ironic to me with this is I wrote like one of my notes is it feels like a man thinks basically like the script kind of felt like what a man thinks that women do and like talk about but Mm. I don't know if that was to like signpost the like absurdity but for me it's like some points I was just like she's not just like why would you this like friendship between the two of them which is is kind of like good that we're talking about Frances Ha as well because there's like female friendship at the center of it but, like, her behavior with her friend, I was like, I just don't see, like, the history between them. And, like, they were always talking about, um, like, it was always, I don't know, would this film pass the Bechdel test? I don't know. Bechdel? Bechdel? I don't know what it is. Yeah, so I was I was thinking about that a lot throughout. And, yeah, like, some of the line choices. Because knowing that Frances Ha came out so soon after this, mm-hmm. um, there's not really much of a time difference between the two of them so it's just interesting to see like how they deal with similar themes but in a completely different way yeah and I find like the friend I mean to be honest both the characters both Lola and her friend I find that um they're both quite selfish and self-indulgent and it's like they talk to each other but they don't it's almost as if they don't really care about what the other person's doing it's like me myself and I which Mm -hmm. um you know understand this sort of idea of wanting to focus on yourself like we all do that but it comes across in a way that sort of makes the characters less lovable I think particularly the best friend 
Um, yeah, she was just frustrating. Say, like, living here for <laughs> every American's gonna hate me now, but like my experience in New York is that that's very common. Mm. Of like, you will speak to someone and you can quite literally see that they're just not listening to anything that you're saying and so I don't know if it's like also signposting that but like they're supposed to be best friends and I'm like she needs someone like please give her someone because she's going through so much like even her dad's chaotic yeah her dad's an icon but (laughs) there's just so much chaos in her life and she doesn't really have like someone grounding her and then Mm -hmm. she has you know her friend ends up sleeping with the guy that she was sleeping with I would there was not enough like conflict over that I was like this is not okay and you really just did not talk about it like I said I don't think this film was that bad I thought it was a pretty easy going easy to watch film but there were just certain things that it didn't do as well as it had hoped to and again it's funny that we're comparing it to Frances Ha because that film does them so much better um and yeah, there were certain points in this as well. I, it's supposed to be a comedy. I didn't find it particularly funny. Though I think there was one moment where I laughed out loud, which was when the friend, the boy, um, the boy, the man that she's um, sort of seeing is on the sofa and he goes, um, he needs to get up and he's like, help me, I have no core. And I <laughs> yeah. literally laughed out loud because I was like, me. me. <laughs> the other thing that made me laugh was, and I was like, Jess is going to relate so hard is when she's waiting um to take their order in like the restaurant and she's like do you want me to come back and they're like no just wait there like I have experienced that exact thing before don't I wanted to scream because <laughs> that happens all the time they're like yeah we're ready to order it's like you're not though are you and they asked her <laughs> she did and she was like what is that and they were like really badly explained it she was like okay and I like because I've had that before where like um, waiters have come up to me at the bar and they've been like can you make this and I'm like what is that <laughs> and they're googling like I don't know is it on the menu then no <laughs> I can't I'm like looking at the ingredients all the all the like alcohol we have on the shelf and I'm like I don't even think we have the stuff for it <laughs> people are like what do you mean you can't make this mysterious cocktail that I had one time in a bar in the dungeon of a New York City apartment Stop! <laughs> <Not> the <Yeah>. dungeon. <laughs> Again, this is why you know, I watched the, both these films, and I'm like existential crisis because why is it my life? <laughs> yeah, no, there were some there were some moments where I was like, uh huh, okay, yeah. I think it's yeah. I don't know. I feel like people just want to say mean things sometimes, and so choose innocent films as their yeah as their pinpoints but you know it would be interesting to have seen it when it came out I probably would have been too young to Mm. really understand the experience of it and then like revisited it now I reckon women at that time who were around that age might have really enjoyed this yeah I'm like curious to know what the like immediate response was from women Mm. in I feel like to like have so many different um, versions of that film now that like the narrative's just been done better. Yeah, and there were so many of these sort of films that were popping out at the same time that mm-hmm. maybe because this you know it's not I'd never heard of it. I don't think it's one of those ones that was like hugely successful. Um, so I wonder whether 
people even really <laughs> like saw it. Well, yeah, if it came out of Tribeca, then I wonder how wide it's like rollout was because Tribeca does really great, like a really great job of showing a lot of mm-hmm. um, indie films that then I don't know that I've ever seen anything. I mean, it happens, but I'm thinking of like specifically, I watch a lot of their documentaries and and then I just don't really see them again, at least for like mm-hmm. another year or so. So I wonder like what the rollout was with it and if it just showed in New York and LA and then kind of dropped off. Yeah, I mean, I'm having a look at the um, Rotten Tomatoes rate uh, reviews and from the looks of the thing, all the bad ones are men. <laughs> interesting give it a little bit of leeway not necessarily saying it's amazing but give it a little bit of something is are women who who sort of just say it's got you know it's a smart comedy and it's got good chemistry between the actors and yeah well there you go like i said earlier it does what it kind of set out to do yeah um it's not anything groundbreaking i certainly wouldn't say to you know anyone's listening to this I'm like if you want to watch it then watch it it's not one of those ones where I've seen a bad film and gone do not watch this under any circumstances (laughs) it's like yeah you'll probably have a a decent time with it like it's fine yeah (laughs) well I guess we'll move on to Francis Harlan so it has 7.5 stars on IMDb with a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 93% Um, the film that is more accurate the film premiered at the Telluride Film Festival in 2012 and had a wider US release in 2013. It is directed by Noah Baumbach and co-written by Baumbach and Gerwig. Greg Gerwig plays Frances, a 27-year-old dancer living in a new in New York City with her best friend. As priorities shift for the pair, Frances finds herself jumping from job to job, couch to couch, and her life shifting in a different direction, one that she resists as much as possible. So it's pretty obvious at this point. Have you seen the film before? I've seen it many times before, Jess, and I have decided that when I turn 27, I'm not watching it ever again. So I've had to indulge myself in last few months. So yeah, I'm like going to enjoy it until I hit that age and then I just can't. How old are you? I'm 26. Oh, so it's coming up. <laughs> it's coming up. It's two months. I don't want to talk about it, please. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I watched this for the first time in I think I want to say March of 2020 um 2020 what a time uh so oh I my gosh been... for you going through so much well this was but it was at the beginning of March that I watched this so this was before uh... the UK was in a full-blown lockdown this was when we were all still blissfully like going through that it's just a flu um vibes mm-hmm. so I watched this of the recommendation of you uh... sorry <laughs> and uh yeah i watched it then i think i would have been about i think i must have been 24 when i watched that and then i watched it again recently at the um ripe old age of 27 and the experience of watching it when i was 24 compared to when i'm now at the age of 27 um were very different experiences (laughs) yeah i feel like it's one of those things and that's why i can't i don't i can find out actually because i haven't had letterboxd for that long um but I'm gonna see like how I don't know that I've logged it since I've had letterboxd I don't remember the last time I watched it I'm gonna find out no I haven't logged it since I've had letterboxd and I've had letterboxd since 20 like early 2020 I think or like Mm -hmm. end of 2019 
So I haven't watched it since. And that's just a testament for how much you've watched this because you didn't need to rewatch it for this episode. No, I don't. Like, I could probably, like, perform it for, like, if you genuinely wanted to do, like, a reenactment of it, I could probably do it. And I have my, like, pride of joy is the, like, rare photo book of every, like, shot in the film. Oh, wow. And the script is at the back of it. And there's, like, I don't know how many there are, but I found it in a bookshop recently. And I am, like, I love it so much. Mm -hmm. And I just love this film. And I love, I, I just think that like this was the perfect collaboration for the for the two of them for it to be their first I feel like it captures everything that they then went on to do Mm -hmm. from from Frances Ha forward because I I know she had I think she had did she have no strings attached come out at the same time but I feel like it's like when she like moved away from studio and started getting into like more indie things like damsels in distress and 20th century women and things like that like moving away from studios Mm -hmm. Because this this film does everything that Lola Versus wanted to do and it does it really well. Um, yeah. And almost painfully well when you watch it <laughs> at the age of Yeah, the script is just so good. And it's it's entertaining, it's beautiful to watch, it's shot really well. Obviously it's all black and white, so it's got that quality to it. It's got some excellent relationships between all of the different characters. And then at the centre of it you have um, Francis, who... Mm is I would say um, she's sort of a, a, a nuanced character, but she's very likable. It's easy yeah. to root for her. Um, she's a good protagonist to have in that in that place because she makes mistakes. She says things and does things that you're like, why are you doing that? Like, come on. But you also love her and want her to do well in life. Um, I would say that for, for me personally, like, I related to Francis a lot when on the rewatch, um, particularly because like the point she's at in her life, she's also an artist, you know, she's a dancer. I'm an actor, but so slightly different, but also the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this kind of idea of being at this crossroads in your life, um, not to get too much into a therapy session, but that certainly feels like where I'm at at the moment, this idea of mm-hmm. like, okay, you can either keep doing what you're doing and nothing really happened or you can change course slightly and things may look different to what you originally planned but this is where you're at now and one of my favorite scenes in the film is actually when she's having her discussion with um the dance uh choreographer the person who runs their company and she offers her the job working in the um, the office and she's immediately like, oh, no, no, don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Like, who told you I want to do that? Yeah, she was like, no, 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 they don't want to do that. And she's, you know, the, the, the woman's giving her a really good opportunity. Like, this is enough money for you to be able to afford a nice place in New York. Um, and then you'll have time to use the studio space to make your own work. And that's mm-hmm. like a really, like, amazing opportunity but because it looks so different from what she envisioned she's completely against it and I know that feeling where people are like oh have you considered doing this and I'm like well how's that gonna help me win my Oscar (laughs) it's not gonna help me and it's just like the realization that as you get older and priorities shift and things change you have to change with them and you have to sort of just ride the wave and I just found that's they encapsulated that really well in that scene. Um, and then, you know, she goes off and 
to have her immediately go off afterwards and be in the um go back to her university and it's like this idea of her clinging to i'm still young um not that she's particularly old let's not get 27 is old (laughs) but this idea of like still clinging to this idea that she's this fresh grad at the age of 21 who's like going out into the big wide world and and ignoring the fact that you know when you work in the arts in particular it can tear you down a lot and it can you know the constant rejection and not getting to where you want to be can be quite heavy and I think it's one of those things that we all ignore it and we're like no I'm fine you know it's you know I I certainly do that I sit there and I'm like I graduated not that long ago and I'm like oh it's been like seven years Jess it's fine (laughs) (laughs) it's that kind of like weird feeling that I think a lot of people at that age whether you work in the arts or not will have this idea of maybe life not being exactly how you envisioned it and how you deal with that yeah it's just I don't know I feel like everyone who I have never heard someone say like a bad word about the film and I think it's one testimony to like Greta Gerwig as an actress um having the skill to be that because I know it's like it's so like cliche to be like oh she's so relatable but like that is her skill set is like being very from like a normal in a sense of her not being a nepotism baby <laughs> like a very normal <laughs> family um and having lived like a normal life like she went to college she didn't study film she went and did like um English mm-hmm. uh or literature and um got rejected from a bunch of like playwriting uh masters and like I feel like just when she was making this I think she was 27 um and it speaks to how the film was made because I remember a fun little story time when I was in film school I was in a lecture and I wasn't paying attention at all (laughs) to what they were saying (laughs) and there was a guy in and he was doing a talk about distribution and I was like I don't care about distribution I'm just gonna sit here I want to be a director I don't care and I was sat there um not pay. I can't remember what I was doing, but I was doing something else. And I heard him say like, oh, and we were like distributing this really small indie film and like no one had really heard about it. And it was, had this like up and coming indie actress in it called Greta Gerwig. And my, I swear to you, everyone in the room looked at me when he said that. I was like, oh, suddenly I'm paying attention. And he was talking about how Francis Ha had been made on like a hundred thousand dollars, I think. Um, and no one really knew that they were making it. Like there was no publicity about it because it was just after Greenberg. So like their collaboration had begun, but neither of them were really like who they are now. Mm. Um, I think this film kind of like kickstarted that for them and they'd been like making it in New York, uh, not, not telling anybody. Like, I think it took them a while to make because again, like they were just making it around other things that they were doing. And it's like, I feel like that energy is really captured in the film. Mm. of the fact that it's just like I'm just doing this and like seeing what happens like I'm hoping that it's going to be what I want it to be but by the end like it becomes something completely different mm. and I feel like Francis is just doing that throughout and I feel like it's it was also articulating like where Greta was at as an actress like she just done Greenberg and I remember that there was a story that she told where um she just like filmed Greenberg and she was driving to LA for the premiere or something or like something to do with it. And um, she saw her face on like a billboard with like Ben Stiller. So it's like, she saw a poster of them 
on the thing but it hadn't come out yet so no one knew about it but she didn't have anywhere to stay that night because she didn't have any money because the film hadn't come out yet and they hadn't like collected any like royalties off of it or anything and like I feel like Frances Ha came directly after that and and so I don't know I think it's a really it's just like a great timepiece just for like both of their careers of like oh it's just just before like everything was about to happen and I would have loved to have like found it at the time it came out I think the first time I watched it would have been would have been 2018 uh and then I watched it so many times between 2018 2019 so it almost feels like um a labor of love it's Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of heart in it um it just feels like a passion project which is so nice to see um particularly for a story like this yeah um and as as much as it did spiral me into an existential crisis um it is one of those films where i I think it's well worth the watch i think everybody should see it at some point really um because it's just so well made and so beautifully done and done with such care and consideration for the people it's kind of speaking to yeah i think that there's like there's no kind of judgment of anyone in the film like every Mm -hmm. character is allowed to be both likable and dislikable like they make questionable choices like all of them and that is just how humans are like it just happens to be like we are all very a mixture of of good and bad and I think that it does feel like I said I sometimes films like this feel like they're performing a version of reality but because it's like that actual reality at the time they're capturing like the genuine experience. I don't know. How, I don't think Adam Driver had really like become Adam Driver at this point, mm-hmm. um, or or any of them. I feel like it really is just capturing like a. We all hope that one day we're going to be at the place we want to be, and I didn't. I don't know. It's it's one of those films that you just can't even begin to like unpack because there are so many different like elements to it that I am just like fascinated by, like writing wise and also like theme wise and Mm. it is one of those things that you'll just watch it and you'll I think it at different points in your life it will resonate with you differently which is why I said only at 27 I'm not doing it because I don't want to know it is it is weird because when I watched it at you know the age of 24 I was like oh okay I was like all right and you sort of see her go through and I didn't even I, I don't even think I really clocked the whole kind of like um element of her being a dancer who wasn't quite making it as a dancer and there were lines that I was like lol can relate like the line where she's like well I can't really explain what I do because I don't really do it um yeah. I thought that was uh, great and it's so true because people would be like oh I'll be like I'm an actor and they're like what have you been in I'm like it's so difficult to kind of understand like make other people understand where you're at and what you're actually doing um, and how it to be honest like you are just fortunate and lucky if you get any work. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, Literally, especially graduates nowadays. Yeah. And I think, again, that's an element I really like about this film that I didn't clock when I was watching it for the first time was this whole thing of just, you know, her life changing, the people around her growing up. And um, I always think about it in the terms of her relationship with her friend how they start off the uh, film talking about their dreams and ambitions and 
they're like, we won't have children, we won't do this, we won't have the, and you'll be a famous dancer, and I'll be a famous writer, have all of this stuff that they're talking about, and then within like, you know, 20 minutes after that, you have mm-hmm. the best friend saying, oh, I'm I'm moving in with my boyfriend, and when Frances yeah. has literally turned around to her boyfriend and said, I'm not going to do that because of my friend, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to put her out, so it's like these two people who are, who've been on the same kind of trajectory suddenly split off and have two completely different things happen and it's you know priorities shift so your experiences change when your life you know hits different milestones and I think it's sort of interesting to see that play out with those two characters yeah I feel like it really speaks to that whole thing of just 20s in general like everyone Mm -hmm. is so completely at different points and like no point is is better than another like it's just quite literally like you just happen to be at this specific and also like just because you hit maybe like your career goal doesn't mean you're hitting your like your romantic goal Mm. and vice versa and like all of these things are so like nuanced that it's really difficult to to really like everyone in the film is doing something completely different Mm. but they are all dealing with the same like inner turmoil of like oh am I doing the right thing like even Sophie who looks like she's got her life together because she's like moving to Tokyo and she's like with this guy and then she like they come it's kind of one of my favorite scenes is when like they come back and then um they're like drunk at that party and Sophie's like screaming (laughs) in front of everyone then he takes like he takes her in the car and they're like and it's like all those like cracks falling apart of like Francis thinking that Sophie has this thing all figured out and that's why she's been upset with her this whole time because she's like well I thought we had it figured out and then she realizes that and then when she chases her down the street in her bare feet oh honestly that scene it speaks really well of like female friendships as well I think it encapsulates that really well um yes and this idea that you sometimes do have those feelings where you look at your friends and you think wow you've got it all figured out and then Mm. there's me (laughs) sitting in my little house (laughs) in London like staring at the walls (laughs) and yeah you forget that there are there'll be experiences that you know are completely different and they'll you know sometimes I even with like me and you sometimes I'm like oh Billy's there in New York living her life and then I'll talk to you and you'll be like talking about how expensive it is (laughs) I'm like ah (laughs) I'm good yeah honestly like especially with social I would have like because this film kind of speaks to this generation of social media and like comparison but it does it in a way that like they're just comparing to the people around them so like we're like times 10 now because we can look at everyone people that we've not even met and be like oh my gosh like why do you what's so like why is life so easy for you and it just isn't the case like Mm -hmm. yeah I know that like externally at some points I feel like everybody is like aware of like what they post online right because they want to I don't know I feel like social media gets a bad rap but like I use it as like a diary and so I'm like I want to look at it and like not be depressed because like (laughs) life is hard enough as it is and so yeah it's nice to like remember those those good things but it is definitely a case of like um just it's so easy to look at other people and be like you've you've got it down you get it you're fine you're never going to struggle again and it's just not the case like Mm -hmm. everyone has like a million and one different things going on well yeah that's the thing it's like and it, it really does speak to that and I think that's why I kind of 
really related to it the second time watching it was just this kind of understanding of like sometimes you just get to a point and things shift and friends go in different directions and it's being able to to deal with that it feels like at certain points it feels like this is almost like a breakup film in terms of her friendship with Sophie and how they then Mm -hmm. reconcile and how that friendship you know changes and how how not having her around changes the way that Frances sees herself and her own success Mm because I think sometimes when you're surrounded by people that you love and admire and you're all on this path together like yeah we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that you kind of just even if you're not as successful as you want to be you're kind of just enjoying the ride and then when those people Mm -hmm. go off and do other things you're like left with the have to look in the mirror and be like okay what actually have I achieved and putting in too much importance I think on career (laughs) sometimes yeah this idea of like well, I haven't, you know, I haven't been in a film yet or I haven't, you know, I don't know. You, well, you've now directed a film, but, you know, <laughs> multiple ones. But it's this kind of, like, um, idea of... Like, yeah, but even that feels like not enough, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, in this, like, it's like, okay, sure, but no one can see them. And yeah. even if they could, like, it's not going to be, like, my dream live action Hunchback of Notre Dame Disney <laughs> big budget money do you know what I mean so like yeah. it's like also putting into perspective different things in her life because like she does her dance show um like there's a that there's like such a beautiful shot of her like stood there and there's like the silhouette of her and you can just see how sad and drained she looked mm-hmm. and she's like in the middle of doing the thing that she loves mm-hmm. and it's not even just like she gives up the thing that she loves she realized that the thing that she thinks that she loves is like actually not fulfilling what she needs it to fulfill anymore and it's like growing out of these th- and like learning that it's okay that at some point like you may not love the thing that you think you did anymore and that you just need to go down like a different route with it yeah and because that's true as well like you know I I hear it all the time from other actor friends where they are they either are the person or they know people where they've been you know in a west end show and they've just been stood there bored out of their mind and they just don't Mm -hmm. care for it and this realization that you've spent all this time and all this money working towards something and then you finally get there and it's not it's not what you envisioned it's not what you want and having to reconcile that in your head and be like okay I have to say goodbye to this but then also having to reconcile that with other people because I think it's other people's expectations as well and we see that a little bit with with Frances as well and like the people around her she's constantly trying to impress the people around her and Mm -hmm. show them that no no I've got my life together and this is what I want to do because beyond just her own thoughts it's like I don't want to disappoint all these other people yeah that shot where she's looking so drained but then you compare that to when she's choreographing her own piece Mm -hmm. and she's so bright and happy and like engaged with what she's doing and all these people I love the shot um towards the end when she's putting on her show and she spent the whole time saying how she feels really alone the whole way through the film and then it's just like you see all the faces of the people throughout the film who've come to watch her show and you're like see all these people were rooting for you and they there were all these people surrounding you you didn't have to feel alone you put yourself in that position because you were just fighting against so much I thought really 
cleverly encapsulated what they were trying to say in that moment so like I literally like teared up like (laughs) with you describing that because it's so true like and also what you were saying about how other people you feel like other people also have these expectations of you but they're not really thinking about like they care about you but they don't care about your life choices like they care about how happy you are in Mm -hmm. those life choices it's not like oh you don't want to be a dancer anymore like oh my gosh that's like so embarrassing like why did you waste all that time it's like that's really cool like you put on your own show and you did your like you showed the world your choreography and how great you are in that element and like no that's not the conversation that they're having at the end of the film they're like praising her Mm -hmm. for doing like a great job and it is just like I don't know like it's so much I feel like anyone who watches this at any point in their life will just really relate to that because I don't think it's unique to being 20 something like I think it's it it just happens to like peak at that point because you're out of school mm-hmm. it's like the first season of life where you're really not spent and if you go to university then it's like until you're 21 or 22 in the US and so like it's the first season where you have to kind of like navigate things without people telling you what to do because you don't have to go to school and you don't have to do what your parents tell you you don't have to do all of these things but it is a weird time as well when you you know you're in your 20s and like you said it's the first time where you kind of have complete control over your life and it's that independence Mm -hmm. coming at such swift rate can be quite like daunting and I sometimes find myself sitting there and going oh am I using my time wisely like I'll have a day where I'm just exhausted because I've been working a week and I'll have a day to just sit and do anything and I'm like sit and do nothing and I'll just think to myself oh I should be doing something I should be doing something and it's this that that you know that speaks on societal pressure I think that's definitely within this film as well this idea of like constantly being working towards something um but it's it's weird when you have just time and again like towards the end of the film when she's just you know moving moved into her new apartment and she's putting her name in the in the the letterbox you're just like there's this quiet there's this really nice quietness and you just think oh she's just she's just being (laughs) that's really nice to see yeah I loved that you said that about like um needing to do something all the time because there's that moment where she's like sat on the sofa and he's like like let's just sit and watch a movie and she's like I already wasted the day like I already feel bad about the day Mm -hmm. I don't want to I need to go in and it's like but then like what are you gonna go and do you're probably just gonna go think about what you're gonna do Mm -hmm. and then like by the time it's time to do it it's too late or it's like dinner time or yeah I don't know like people are so allergic to like relaxation <laughs> it's yeah. scary and like one of my favorite things that I've ever heard anyone say is it's not a waste of a day if you had fun yeah oh yeah that's the whole thing because there's a there's a lot of themes within this where it's like all about like wanting something one of my um favorite moments is her little monologue oh um, don't don't so beautiful <laughs> it's so lovely and she's talking about you know wanting to have a very particular type of love and you know it's a really specific situation I think the way that Greta delivers this speech is just a masterclass um it's so beautifully done and it speaks on this kind of like idealized version of a relationship but not in the kind of like they're gonna sweep me off my feet and you know I'm gonna walk into my room and there's gonna be roses everywhere and chocolates and all. it's not that it's this kind of like I want this really like quiet 
um, secure love. But it's so special because like she does at that time have that because then it comes back around at the end and it's like she gets that eye contact with Sophie from across the room Mm -hmm. and it's like they're living their two different lives but so like she thinks that she wants it in one way like in a romantic way but she already had the thing that she wanted the most Mm -hmm. and it was just Sophie and like they're like understanding of one another despite not being next to each other and then like that that like two shot of Sophie and then Francis like looking at each other is just like the perfect because it's like that's like what the film is about like that Mm -hmm. monologue is what the film is about and then by the end it's like and she already had this thing that she thought that she needed and wanted but Noah Bornback just how how'd you do it (laughs) how'd you do it there's that great line where they say that only people who can afford to be artists in New York are rich people are rich and she's and like, I'm, I'm an artist, I'm not rich. And she's like, you're rare. This just shows that both Noah and Greta had, you know, were, were speaking from experience, I imagine. Um, this kind of understanding of, of where people are at in terms of their like financial situation and how that affects people. And, you know, there's moments in the film where Frances can't afford to pay her rent and she's struggling. She doesn't know. She needs to go and find a job somewhere. She has to leave New York, go back to her university. Like there's all these different layers. She's going to live with her family um, at Christmas time. That was another scene that got me when she was there and she's surrounded by all the like people with kids. And and that's an interesting thing because, you know, I had, I went back home for Christmas and my brother's now got a little baby and it was a weird dynamic shift not in a bad way by any stretch dan if you're listening i'm not i'm not saying i don't like being an artist <laughs> i get it twisted i love it um but it is it is a strange thing you suddenly like you know me and my brother we're the same age we're twins and i, I see him hitting these milestones and i'm you know doing something completely different and what i'm doing is completely valid but what he's doing is more sort of like a traditional kind of setup you know he's bought a house he's had a baby he's getting married you know and so it's it's always strange when you see that and I, I really like that scene she's surrounded by all these kids and it kind of adds that extra layer of like oh where am I at in my life and mm-hmm. again I felt that I was like oh you go home at Christmas and you hear all these stories about oh my god yeah this person's having a baby and then this person's getting married and this person and you're just like and I'm doing the same thing that I have been doing for the last five years once again Noah Bornback you did it you did you did it something that Greta Gerwig does really well as an actress she has mm-hmm. this element to her acting where it's like you're it feels like you're watching or talking to a best friend um mm-hmm. it's very real and like so naturalistic it's almost like I'm watching a documentary it's such a good sort of selection of films that she's had where she plays these kind of characters um and they're distinct enough that it's not like she's playing the same thing again um Mm-hmm. but there's these elements that are just so believable and relatable yeah yeah there's a great interview um with her uh I think it's for the build series and it's one of my favorite things because there are so many like great bits about her career in there but there's like a specific point where the guy she's talking with like asks her um like what she thinks her north star is is like a person in the film industry and she says talkies about ladies <laughs> like that's just the perfect description <laughs> of everything that she's done is just like giving not like giving voice to women because like they've always had voices but like in this specific um 
time in the film industry is just like really kind of building a space for for women and I feel like a lot of other women have had a chance to have their films made because of the success of Lady Bird and things like that yeah she's definitely someone who sort of has I think changed the cultural landscape of film a little bit oh yeah 100%. Um, she's been really impactful and considering you know and I'm obviously referring to this in terms of her directing work considering she's only got two films out obviously third one on the way <laughs> it's crazy. kind of insane like when you actually look at it like because Lady Bird you know that definitely falls into the kind of like indie um vibe and then you get Little Women which was big budget <laughs> Yeah, much bigger. So like, step up from like sixty times. Yeah, she, there was a big jump up there, and then you go even further now with Barbie. She doubled it again. Yeah, she's just an icon. We could literally, we could just have the Greta Gerwig podcast where we could just talk about everything that she's ever done. I would just—that's what we need the landscape to be—is just to be able to talk about her for so long. Because there are so many things that, like, we would—I would just love to like say about Frances Ha mm-hmm. that would just send us on like another hour long time <laughs> are there any other like favorite films of hers as an actor um yes i like i said at the beginning arthur 2011 say what you want i don't care it's wonderful um 20th century women but mistress america for me really is like even more so than Frances Ha. Mm-hmm. i think is like it's in my letterbox top four mm-hmm. and Frances Ha is not i had to remove it to put joy in there Mm -hmm. um but like yeah no I think Mistress America really is like peak for me in terms of her Mm -hmm. acting career I'm just trying to think about any I like her in No Strings Attached as well but yeah she's a supporting role but yeah (laughs) Brooke the character of Brooke there's just something about her I feel seen by her I have never seen a film um that captures like my humor more than Mistress America Mm. I've never laughed so hard at a film by myself, like in my room, than that. What about you? Yeah, I love Mistress America. I think she's phenom in 20th Century Women. Um, love that film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, 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 but I will be, you know, pretty honest. Like I, I haven't actually seen her in much in terms of her acting work. When I sort of was looking through the, um, the list. Uh, mm-hmm. I have seen Arthur but a very long time ago so I literally could not tell you what my opinion on that film is <laughs> she's the best thing about it <laughs> I don't know I just haven't I haven't actually seen that much of her acting stuff but when I have I've always been really com- like compelled by her and and her performances so I will at some point just have to sit and just go through everything <laughs> probably and just you know the one thing I will say is I think that she did some of her best acting this year actually in White Noise. Mm. Um, There's like one specific scene where she's like sat on the bed kind of explaining her situation to Adam Driver's character and she just knocks that out of the park. Like that is some of her best acting I think that I've ever seen. And that speaks to it because like there's like a wealth to choose from of like Mm. how incredible she's been in like everything. We have to ask a question although it's pretty obvious um which is which film do you prefer i mean yeah uh, same as like when we said about marriage story like francis ha obviously but not because lola versus is bad just francis ha is francis ha yeah 
Same here. Francis Ha wins this this round. Do you want to tell the people what where they can find you, what you've been working on recently? Um, you can find me on social media at Billy Melissa underscore. You can see I love you guys at some point soon. I pray. I pray because I've been saying that for a really long time, but this time I really mean it. Um, and then you will see other things for me at some point in this year. There's a lot. Yes. A lot's coming. And I'm excited for it all. Um, as always, you can follow the podcast at Better Bad Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Jess underscore Roland or on Instagram at Jess Roland. Um, and yeah, this was great. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me again, Billy. This has been um, no, exactly you. what I expected. A little bit of a therapy session, a little bit of chaos. <laughs> um and a lot of fun what more do you expect from the two of us you get chaos and you get therapy thank you so much for listening everyone and i'll just say i'll see you next time better than bad join me next time on better than bad when i'll be joined by nicole and we'll be discussing emma thompson's highest and lowest rated films we'll be talking about in the name of the father and julia find out what we thought about them next time on better than bad